grab yourself a leg out. You're welcome to grab yourself another cup of tea or coffee. And then I really don't mind if you drink that while I'm preaching. But it's, uh, it's good to be able to celebrate today uh, freely as the church. And in some nations that's not possible, but for us we can celebrate freely the resurrection of Jesus, which should bring incredible hope to us. Last week we looked at the importance of Good Friday uh, and the significance of Passover, which was the um, uh, feast that they were celebrating before when Jesus was crucified, which signified the, the original Passover, which was in the Old Testament, where the nation of Israel was coming out, about to come out of Egypt, and God gave them the instruction to paint the blood of the lamb over the doorposts, and everybody who was inside the house, the God passed over and they were safe. And in the same way, that reflects uh, our salvation and who we are. So if you missed that, I would encourage you to go online to our website and listen to that because it gives you the significance of Jesus, the Passover lamb who died for us and that his body was broken and his blood was shed and why we celebrate communion. And so that was what we did last weekend because on Friday, as you would know, was Good Friday. And some of you were there in the town square where we celebrated together as across the churches from Crawley, worshipping God, but also remembering Jesus' death on the cross. And um, Good Friday then is that celebration of Jesus dying on the cross where he actually died. It wasn't a maybe died, possibly died. He actually died. They then took his body off the cross and put his body, wrapped it and put it in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. Jesus was dead. That's what it was. It wasn't, I know some people who don't believe in him say, well, maybe he wasn't dead, maybe he didn't rise again. But the truth is, and the facts were that he was dead. The Roman soldier pierced his side and the blood and the water came out, which was evidence that he had died. And, uh, and nobody who goes kind of through that ordeal could survive, and especially not after that afterwards. So he was there. He died. But on the third day, if we read in the Gospel of Luke, on the third day, which was the first day of the week, uh, so for us it's today, Sunday, the, the woman came to the tomb expecting to find Jesus dead. They didn't go to the tomb looking to see if he had risen. It says that they went with herbs and spices to anoint the body. Everything in their thinking, everything about what had happened, they thought they would go to the tomb, the, the stone would be there, Jesus' body would be there, he was dead. And so if we look at Luke chapter 24, I'm going to read from verse 1 to 12. On the first day of the week, that's three days on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes were, that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In, the fr- in their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, "'Why do you look for the living among the dead?' He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and all the others. 
It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and others with them who told this to the apostles. But they didn't believe the woman because their words seemed like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. So not only did that group of women go to the tomb expecting to see the body of Jesus, and then when they saw it, they were, that it was empty, they were confused, and then they went back to the apostles and the disciples and, and told them what had happened. They also didn't believe. It says there, we read, they didn't believe them because it sounded like nonsense. Now we read it and we, see, we know we can read scripture, so we know the whole pattern and we can see the Old Testament and everything else and we weren't living through that. But what the point is this is that the resurrection happened as much as Jesus' death happened. He was dead, he was buried, and then he came alive again. And after this, Jesus appears to many of the other disciples at different places on the road to Emmaus, and, and they weren't the only ones who doubted. Others doubted too, but actually when they saw him, when they met with him, when they touched him, when they saw him eating, they saw that actually he was alive. And just as we, we can see that he really did die, he really did rise again. It wasn't a ghost. He had a different body because it was a spiritual as well as physical, but he, they touched him. They could feel him. They saw him eat in front of them. So he, he was raised again completely and properly. It wasn't some weird apparition, and he appeared to them many, many times, but he was alive. And so apart from the obvious, which is that someone who's dead comes to life again, which in itself is incredible and amazing. I don't know if any of you have ever seen someone who's dead come alive. I know of people, but apart from that obvious thing, why is it so important? Why is it so amazing that we celebrate every year? See, believing in Jesus and his resurrection his death and his resurrection is an issue of faith that we believe by the work of the Holy Spirit. But it's essential that we understand what it actually is for our faith, for our salvation, and for our hope. You see, Jesus' death on the cross would have been of no value if he hadn't been raised to life. In the same way, Jesus' resurrection would have been of little value unless his blood was shed for our sin. You see, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. If, if the significance of Jesus' blood paying the price for our sin was missing, Jesus raising from the dead would just be like Lazarus. You see, if Jesus hadn't died... Where would we be? But you can't separate his death and his resurrection. Both are essential. You see, if you preach the resurrection of Jesus without preaching about the cross like we did last week, people might say, well, you're ashamed of the cross. And if you only preach the cross 
without preaching the resurrection, it's nothing more than sentimentalism or defeatist. We have to preach both the cross of Jesus because it's on the cross that his body was broken and his blood was shed and our sin was atoned for. But we also have to preach the resurrection because the resurrection proves that what the cross was there to do has been done in its fullness. If Jesus was, wasn't without sin, he could not have paid the price and would not have been raised to life. If he wasn't the son of God, he wouldn't have been able to do that. And so we have to look at both the cross and the resurrection together because Jesus is alive because God vindicated us, vindicated him for what he did. God the Father vindicated Jesus the Son for who he was and what he did for us. And the resurrection, what the cross was purposed to do, was proved by the resurrection. And we see a fullness of that even greater when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. You see, we can't separate the cross and the resu- from the resurrection. We have to have both. But we also can't separate those from the ascension because Jesus goes back to heaven. And in that time between his resurrection and his ascension, he preached the gospel. And so he he died on the cross for our sin, was raised to life because he won the victory over sin and death. And then he preached the kingdom of God. And his final words before he was taken up to heaven was the commission for us to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to every nation, tribe and tongue, so that men would turn to him and be saved. Then he was ascended to heaven and then the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost so that we could do what he's called us to do with the same power and authority that he had because of the finished work of the cross because Jesus is who he says he was he died and paid the price so that we will never have to face the justice and wrath of God in our place so that we could be free and live in, 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 in that place of relationship with him empowered by the Holy Spirit you see as we respond in faith and receive our salvation by grace his righteousness is applied to us. I think it was A.W. Tozer, who's an, uh, an older theologian from years ago, said this, that the only sin that Jesus carried was ours. And the only righteousness that we can stand in is his. Because on the cross, he took our sin onto himself. But some people would call it the divine exchange. He exchanged our sinfulness and our depravity and everything that we owed. He exchanged that. He took it himself and he gave us his righteousness. Which means we stand before God. Not in our own merit. Not because of anything we have done. Because we can do nothing. Actual fact, scripture says that our good deeds... As filthy rags. Even the best we can do would never measure up. That's why Jesus came. But what he's done is he's taken our sin and our debt and he's given us his righteousness when we respond in faith to him. You see, it's, a, it's an open gift. Remember last week I, 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 I said this that Christianity is very exclusive because there's only one way 
to salvation and that is Jesus. But it is also very inclusive because it is available for everybody. The thing is we have a choice to make. Do we choose to believe and accept and receive that he is king, that he is Lord, that he did die for us and receive our salvation and his righteousness or do we reject that? You see, if we reject that, then God gives us what we've chosen. But if we receive that and accept that, God gives us the gift, the free gift of salvation through whom we have life and freedom and hope. If there was no cross and no resurrection, 1 Corinthians fifteen seventeen tells us, then we would have no salvation, no hope, and we are to be pitied. But the truth is, there was a cross, and there was a resurrection, and there is life in Jesus when we respond to him. And so we have salvation, we have a hope, and we are not to be pitied, we are to point people to Jesus. I kind of want to say we to be envied because I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but you know what I'm saying is actually we have the answer. We know him. We have a relationship with him that we can walk in with intimacy. And we can now live forgiven, accepted, restored in a relationship with God, whole, free, loved, healed, righteous, Because we've been reconciled to God through Jesus. And so we have a hope. We have a hope for what lies ahead because Jesus was victorious. If we look at the world we live in, you you just need to spend probably about five or ten minutes watching a news bulletin and you can see the world has got no hope. Who do they put their hope in? You can't put it in governments because they mess up. You can't put it in, I don't know, the cosmos, because it's created, it's not God. You can't put it in your friends, because they're as fallible and brittle as you are. You can't put it in finance, because that goes up and down and out the window. There are wars, there are there's famine, there's, or if you just look, I mean, I don't have to go on for any longer, because you just look at the news, and you can see that there is no, what's going on? And the world have got no hope. They wrestle and they run after all sorts of things, but we have a hope. His name is Jesus. We have a hope. He is living, and he is all-powerful, and he is victorious over everything, and we have a hope in him, the one who has conquered all, the one who has authority over all. Where do you place your faith? Where do you, or who, do you have hope in? Can't be yourself. Can't be others. It can only be Jesus, because he is victorious. And because we are in him, we don't have to worry. We have a hope because we saved, we will be with him. 
Like I said, accepted, loved, forgiven, healed, hold. He cares for you. He provides for you. He protects you. Um, Psalm 23, really, really well known, is all about Jesus, our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Provides, protects, goes ahead of all those things. And he knows you intimately. And the incredible thing is, because of Jesus, we can know him intimately. And that's how we're to live. You see, we, when we respond to him, we live in his love, but we also live loving him. Because he loved us, even in our sin and died for us, we can love him and love others. And as we love him, we live in a way that is obedient to his word and his way. And so it can live in the fullness of what that means. And that's possible because of the cross. Because it says that Jesus defeated sin and death. And when we respond to him, we have his righteousness, but also the power of the Holy Spirit. So it is now possible for those who believe in Jesus to live as he's called us to live in accordance with his word because he empowers us to do it but because we are released from the stranglehold and control of sin through Jesus we have a choice to follow him or not he is our biggest hope he is our only hope because he brings joy peace steadfast assurance because he rose again which means he paid the price which means it's done, it's finished, it's completed. And here's the other incredible thing. He's coming back. Jesus rose again, he's ascended to heaven, but he will return. And when he returns, we will be with him. There's much that's said about Jesus coming again. And even when we celebrate communion like last week, Jesus himself said, I won't partake of this again until I do in my kingdom. In other words, one day we will partake with him, remembering the sacrifice. Why? Because Jesus is coming back. And we're far closer to that moment in our lives than those who wrote the scriptures were. No one knows when or where, but we know that it will come. And all he says to us is be ready. Be ready. In other words, don't. what that be ready is in my understanding is live your life for him. Loving him. Following after him. Not the things of the world. Don't be distracted by all those things. And I'm not going to go into a whole preach about the readiness. You can read the parable of the ten virgins explains a whole lot of stuff. that Maybe one day we'll look at that. But God says to us, be ready because he's coming back. And our readiness is doing his will, living his way, living in relationship with him. And we can because of the cross. And we have a hope because of the cross and the empty tomb because Jesus rose again. Jesus is coming back. And so as we celebrate the empty tomb, we come to the cross in repentance. We bow our knee and we go through the cross and we receive our salvation by by, by (coughs) faith and grace. 
And when we make a mess of our lives again, we come back in repentance. Not for salvation again, because the salvation is not based on our works, it's based on Jesus' finished work. But we come back to that place of repentance, so there's a, 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 a reuniting again of intimacy with him. Because he died once and for all. Paid the price once and for all. Complete. Satisfied the justice of God. Rose again because death could not hold him. And now we have access to him. And we live with a full hope and assurance in Jesus. Our life is in him. No matter what goes on in the world, we have a hope. And that is Jesus. And he is unshakable. And he is victorious. And he is in control. No matter what might look like, he is in control. And we are his. And so we have nothing to fear because we are covered in the blood of Jesus. And whatever we face, when we run to him and go to him, he enables us to endure, to overcome, to reign victorious. Why? Because Jesus paid the price, died on the cross, rose again, and it is finished, and it is complete. Isn't it awesome to know that because God loves you, Jesus died on the cross? I don't think we can quite fathom the depth of that truth. But it's an awesome privilege, it's an awesome thing to behold. And so as we respond this morning... I said to Lisa and the team, I said that actually uh, I would much rather have worship after the preach because I think the only way we can respond to the truth of who God is and that he laid his life down, that he sent his one and only son for us to pay the price to face the full extent of what that meant. I think our only response that is fitting is one of worship. One of exalting Him and magnifying Him and lifting His name up. And that's not just worship here being sung on a Sunday morning. But another element of worship is our lives laid down for Him. Our lives lived in surrender to the one who gave us all. Won't you stand if we could have the worship team? If someone could go and tell um, the children, Vaughn's going to do that, so they'll come through.